Welcome to QTalks, a podcast series by QTech, the Cambridge University Technology and Enterprise Club. I'm Shreya. And I'm Thomas. And we are your hosts for QTalks, a series for aspiring innovators in which we talk about the typical and not the typical journeys of making ideas reality and changing the world. This week on QTalks, we're doing a special feature on female founders. We will be joined by Lucy Chung, founder and CEO of Sharko. Sharko has developed a wearable device for focused vibrotactile stimulation for people with Parkinson's disease. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for coming on the show with us today. Hello. Um, if you could start with telling us about your background and how you began Sharko. Yes, of course. So uh, my name is Lucy Jung and I'm background of innovation design engineer who focuses on uh, design for people with long-term conditions. Um, so Sharko is a medtech startup. Um, it's actually named after a uh, professor, Sharkot, who actually found uh, first um, stimulation benefiting Parkinson's patients a um, long time ago in the 18th centuries. So he developed a um, vibration chair. And since then, there are lots of studies around vibrations helping with um, people with Parkinson's. Um, so we have developed a focused vibrotactile stimulation uh, medical device for people with Parkinson's to improve their quality of life. Great. And how did the idea come about? So it's it's quite interesting one when people ask us, like, how did the idea come? Because um, it wasn't actually something that we it just sparkled in our um, head, but it was more of actually working together with people with Parkinson's. Um, so first gentleman that I met um, like five years ago was saying, um, I'm very happy right now, but I look very angry because Parkinson's disease took away my smile because of the stiffness in their face. So since then, we were focusing on, OK, how can we help with people with Parkinson's to bring those smiles back? And uh, we actually just went to them and asked them what kind of things help with your symptoms, what kind of things ease your um, movement. And um, I remember um, the other gentleman who was actually saying, when I sit on a massage chair and I relax a little bit, it really helps with my symptoms. So then we started developing lots of other prototypes using stimulations and trying to mimic what massage chair is doing. Um, I think it just came from there. We developed, uh, we initially, I think we had about like 20 prototypes and then we developed from there. That's really interesting. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about what, um, who the team is made up of at Sharko. Yes, so it's myself and um, my co-founder is Floyd Pierce, who is currently a medical doctor at Edinburgh's. Um, so he joined uh, me from almost like early on. He's also really interested in med tech, helping um, improving quality of life for long-term conditions. So he is heavily involved in clinical trials, making sure that the device is safely made and it's showing a, a significant difference. And we have Alex and Edrin, who recently joined us. Alex has a background of uh, neuroscience and lots of research user testings, as well as Edrin. Um, he is a software developer helping with the application developer. But we've got um, amazing mentors behind our the scenes um, guiding us how to carry this on to a startup. And, and maybe for a non-specialist, what does the device actually do? 
Yes. So, um, like it says three things. So, the firstly, it gives a viable tactile stimulation. So, basically, it's giving a stimulation for people. It combines the focus stimulation and cue. So, basically, focus stimulation have been studied quite a lot around um, clinical sites or researchers to help ease the um, the symptoms, especially with the stiffness and slowness. Not so much of the tremor. Uh, but we're doing more studies around that. So what it does, uh, what it has been showing in clinical settings was that focus stimulation actually reduces the beta wave brain activity, making the movement bit easier. So the testings were showing all of the participants that we um, carry out the testing were showing um, average of 16% improvement when they were carrying out the movement, with them actually saying that um, their movement was smoother and faster and more coordinated. So that um, is actually combined with the cueing sign. So when people with Parkinson's are walking and they suddenly freeze, if you give uh, like a tapping sound or like one, two, one, two signals, they can use that to carry on with their movement. So our focus stimulation is designed in a way that it does both the focus stimulation and cue. So it goes zoom, zoom, zoom. Another benefit of our device is actually because it's um, using an adhesive to sit on your sternum, um, it gives a discrete medication alert. So one of the challenges that people with Parkinson's face is um, when their medication is due, but they don't have like this great way of giving them um, medication alert. So it's sitting on their sternum giving uh, medication alert when their medication is due, which is managed through an application that we're currently developing. That's really interesting. How do you test those prototypes that you came up with? Because to be able to test them, presumably you would need to do this with Parkinson's patients. So how, how do you manage the sort of regulatory and clinical side of that? Yes, yeah, so I think this is really interesting point. So the project actually started when I was at university um, doing a master's course at uh, Imperial College and Royal College of Art. And as a product designer, the user testing is actually done under the consent of the individuals. So um, I assume that it's going to be really different if they're um, underage. However, with the adult, you sign the consent form and the waiver form to actually do the testing. And the, given the fact that the, our device is completely non-invasive, that helped as well. And I think this is actually a quite um, interesting point because as a clinician, Floyd has a limit of um, if you can do this kind of user testing or not. So Floyd was actually not involved in actually doing the user testing. So he wasn't at the site. But as myself and engineers, we were doing the testings um, under individual's consent. I see. I see. Okay. And um, aside from the consent, what are the other main regulatory barriers have you uh, sort of come across when you were doing this? So um, that was user testing, uh, which was much more simpler as a student. However, now as a startup, now we're going through all the regulatory approvals as well as um, we're currently preparing for clinical trial and user testing. So with the clinical trial, we are working together with um, NHS um, Peterborough and um, we are currently in a conversation with another clinical trial private unit to carry out the studies. And with that, it's actually quite external clinical trial where all the um, um, regulatory approval will be done uh, by getting all the ethical approvals and everything. With the device ourselves, our device is actually developed under um, MDR Medical Device Class 1. 
Um, so we're making sure that our device is meeting all the regulatory and um, with uh, right technical file and risk risk register. Okay. And for, for those listeners that might be interested in developing their own med tech uh, devices or as a startup, maybe you could um, tell us about the class one and what uh, what is involved in order to meet those criteria? Yes, so it's actually really challenging. I I would actually say that um, it's definitely something that you should be doing with regulatory officers, advisors and consultants. So when we developed our product, we developed it in uh, to the level where um, as engineers, we can do the prototypes. However, to meet the regulations, we worked together with a product development company who is ISO 134085 certified and who is experienced with the medical device um, regulatory approval. So I think it's very important for people to um, work together with the experts especially with the regulatory, you really want to do it early on. And as far as we understand, you're, you're a fantastic team of medics, engineers and business people. How has this very interdisciplinary team performed so far, you think? And, and what have been some of the challenges of having such an array of disciplines in one team? Yes, um, I, I think um, we're, we are incredibly lucky. I think the luckiest thing is about how much our team is looking into the vision rather than, um, like, I think we have really clear vision of developing something that will be helpful for people with Parkinson's really quickly, but also carry on more research. We're really interested in um, keep on developing. So we've got same vision. And I think that's really helping us, even though there is, you know, like um, lots of discussion of how we're going to carry out, especially I think as a uh, like designer user testing, I think we tend to be a bit more creative, whereas the clinicians are quite strict with the regulatory and user testing. So lots of times they're saying, no, we have to make sure that it's um, absolutely safe. It is going through all the documents and risk register. But I think um, because we have a same vision, it's never um, falling into touch with like an argument or something, but rather really constructive, um, like synergy. So um, I'm I, like, I can't thank enough with the team that we have. They've been just incredible. Um, and also like we're not shy about um, expressing our opinions. So we give a very clear, and also like I think we have really good balance as well. So half of us are like um, design engineers, and half is medic, and then we've got a um, business experts who are a bit more senior. So I think the balance is actually quite good. That's fantastic. In terms of setting up that vision, how did you go about um, making sure that everybody was on the same page or t driving towards the same goal? Is that something that? you did um, deliberately or actively, or is it the nature of the people that you've been hiring? Yeah, so people always ask us, like, how did the team form? Um, but it was actually really organic. We actually say something like, um, with the startup, it's actually meeting someone that you want to marry. So there's a honeymoon period where you love each other. But then, like, after two, three months, you realize that there's a bit of a problem. And also, uh, we're quite uh, strict in a way that we don't, uh, like, look for people in purpose of looking for people. 
rather we uh, met our team members through pitching and actually talking about our project outside openly. And people actually come to us and then we talk with them and realize that our vision is similar. I think the vision is something that you can't actually force to someone. You really have to have it as yourself. And I think that's how we kind of formed together. Well, that's fantastic. And as our listeners can tell, we are recording this podcast remotely, um, given the current situation. Uh, but we also realize that you're not only working on your startup. In fact, you're also very busy um, getting face masks and shields to NHS frontline workers. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and how entrepreneurs such as yourself can help with, this, with the current situation? Yes. Um, so I think this actually goes back to our team again. So um, Floyd, uh, who is the co-founder, was actually one of the like really early doctor who was covering COVID ward. And uh, we realized that this is going to be a problem. Like we kind of spotted it quite early on. I think that's why we were quite quick in the action. And as a medtech Uh, start off with the engineers and medics I think we were in a really good position to really spot the problem and actually um, get into NHS really quickly and because we also are very aware of the regulatory and also getting the product into NHS is not straightforward um, we were making sure that hospital can accept this um, shield and um, like taking the process that is necessary Uh, we were actually having um, like late night discussions of brainstorming of is there something that we could help with? So face shield was one of the things we were talking about the testings. Um, like Alex, um, his parents have um, a lot of experience in lab. They've got lots of uh, discussions around how can we help with the testings and everything. So we were kind of brainstorming and uh, we found this amazing uh, open source, which was developed from Delve. Uh, we talked with the designers in US and we actually brought that device to UK because it was, we, like in our opinion, it was the simplest and fastest, uh, most cheap way to scale up really quickly to meet current demand. Fantastic. And how do you think entrepreneurs can can be as agile as you have been in terms of managing their startup, but also spotting opportunities? Um, is that Do you think that's something that people should be actively seeking to do? Or is it something that you spot based on your own expertise or the expertise of your team? So we actually were quite worried at the beginning to make sure that we are focused in our business because as other startups, we have to keep our eyes closed with the product development and everything with current difficult situation. So what we did is that um, before we started some um, like the whole Shield NHS, we uh, were sitting down together saying, okay, Floyd and Alex um, keep this amount of time focusing on Shield NHS. Um, Adrian and myself, uh, we focus on um, develop, making sure that the product um, development of our Sharko is running smoothly. We were very lucky because we we're getting the support from the investors as well. Um, we asked, we were like being very honest, telling them that we're going to spend a part of time um, help, trying to help with current situation just because we're quite confident that we can help with uh, the situation. But I think it's so important that 
Um, there are key people who are making sure that the company is running. And we were actually quite lucky. Um, we won the uh, Santander support for the COVID crisis. Um, so we won some grants. So we brought in some skills in to fill in the gaps of Lloyd and Alex and myself spending a bit of time outside of our company. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. Great stuff. And what do you think lies, lies ahead of you and the, and the startup in the in the coming months and, and years? Like I think as the startup, the key thing is trying to um, like look at uh, to the future and current situation to pre be prepared. We do risk assessment and we have a plan like A, B, C, D, E. <laughs> and we always have like the worst case. But with current situation, obviously it's something that we didn't actually have in our plan. Um, but with our clinical trial, it's obviously going to be delayed with um, looking at current situation because we do not want people with Parkinson's to come into the hospital necessarily. So right now, um, to mitigate that, we're making our user testing really strong. So we're going to be sending out our devices to people with Parkinson's with the instructions. So we will be mimicking what the clinical trial will be doing, but it will be done at their house safely. And um, like, I think it's, it's all about that, um, making sure that the people with Parkinson's are safe and carrying out the studies, but we're also not delaying anything to bring the device to people with Parkinson's. Um, and also um, like looking into the future, we are, it's not like a one-off uh, device that we're developing. We're actually doing a lot of research and development behind this Q device. And the reason why we are bringing the device to uh, people with Parkinson's as soon as possible is because um, that's the only way to gather more feedback from people and collect the data so we can improve it more. So it's we always say this is um, not just a business, but a massive research that we're trying to do. I'm, I'm mightily impressed. Uh, that was really interesting. Thank you so much, Lucy. Oh, no, thank you so much for uh, letting me have uh, time to talk to you about our business. Thanks very much. Thanks very much again to Lucy for joining us on this special of Q Talks. This podcast was produced by Carl Homer from Cambridge TV. And we'd also like to say a big thank you to the team at QTech who have been working hard behind the scenes. Thank you very much for listening. And please do go ahead and rate us or leave us a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tweet us at QTech to suggest a guest or theme, or tell us about your experiences with applying technical skills at startups. You'll also find us at qtech.io slash qtalks. Thank you.